Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. Here with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with Willem van Dender and shortly, and of course, our former ITN journo turned pundit, Derek Dyson, will be joining us throughout the show. But first up, after a nail-biting qualification phase, Australia is about to farewell the Socceroos as they prepare to head to their fifth straight World Cup. After the 32-year drought, none of us take for granted the opportunity to watch our team on football's greatest stage. So it's with eager anticipation we're counting down the days till the doubleheader against the All Whites, who will be a tricky opponent in this tie, which commemorates the centenary of Australia-New Zealand's football ashes. The Korea Mail's Marco Monteverde has been watching preparations closely in Brisbane. He'll be joining us very shortly to break down what he's seen and what we can expect from Graham Arnold's squad before they head off to Qatar. After that, the latest news and more on the Socceroos, as well as the Matildas, as the aftermath of their recent underwhelming campaign against Canada continues with Willem. Then the team that shocked the world six years ago, Leicester City, are staring down the barrel of a relegation dogfight with just one point on the board, seven rounds in, the worst start in Premier League history. The clock, Brendan Rogers on Brendan Rogers' time at the Foxes is ticking louder by the day. And the man who's been with us since that journey began, first at the Leicester City Mercury and now as the man on the King Power beat for the Athletic, Rob Tanner will join us to dissect how it's come to this and whether they can extract themselves from what is looking like a one-way slide down the ladder. And we will wrap it up with a look at the latest news as we count down the days to that World Cup in November. Edge, it's been a busy show. It's just a little bit surreal that we're talking about another farewell for a World Cup. It only seems like uh, yesterday when Gus Hiddink uh, declared after that uh, farewell game of against Greece that Australia has a lot of, of work to do bef- to be competitive against Japan in that opening fixture and uh, they did get a lot of work done and uh, and what a World Cup it was. Well, funny you mentioned Hus Hiddink because he's jetting in to be part of the Socceroo celebrations and the, in fact part of the coaching lineup for, for the first game against uh, New Zealand up in Brisbane. Uh, that'll be interesting but I think uh, he's the king of the one-liners, Hus. So we love how entertaining he is but I'll tell you what, um, he was uh, outshone by young Garam Quoll, who uh, let a zinger go in the press conference earlier this week, uh, who was celebrating his call-up when he was asked about his uh, brother and had he spoke to his brother about not getting in the team. And uh, Garam said that he rang him up and said, yeah, what happened, mate? <laughs> well, that was the moment of the week in terms of the coverage of the Socceroos. But young Garam Quoll... Uh, lots of stories about him heading off to the Premier League in Newcastle United. We might ask Marco about that. And uh, why don't we, at this point, bring in Marco Monteverde, who's uh, from the Courier Mail. And Marco's uh, going to talk to us about what's going to be a huge uh, couple of days while the Socceroos gather in Brisbane ahead of the match against New Zealand. Welcome, Marco. G'day, guys. How are you? We're really well. What What is the atmosphere in Brisbane, Marco, as, as uh, the build-up to the event happens? And um, what can you tell us about... Um, how many tickets have been sold and uh, what sort of uh, party it's going to be as we farewell the Socceroos from Australian soil, at least anyway. Yeah, I think it's building. Um, I've heard today that uh, they're they're thinking about 30,000 at the moment. Um, uh, Hopefully more. I know that, you know, with Thursday now being a, um, well, the the day of mourning for the the Queen um, and obviously people not going to work, they... 
they think they might get some more walk-ups, but I don't know. It's it's school like holidays, and um, so so that should should like help as well. Well, that's eight pm uh, kickoff, but uh, I think if they can get you know somewhere between thirty thirty five thousand, they'll be. I think I think they'll be they'll be they'll be pretty happy. Like in terms of media wise and and sort of you know you know coverage, I guess uh, with the lines going out last week and the Aussie rules, it's a bit of a bit of a you know I guess you know clear space now up here. So um, so the timing of it's pretty pretty good. So hopefully the you know the team gets a sort of send off that they you know deserve. What did you make of the squad announcement? There's obviously an opportunity for some players that haven't been uh, in, in soccer squads of recent times to press their claims. Um, I'll, I'll just throw up a, a couple of them. Uh, uh, Harrison Delbridge, um, you know, we know the defence has been problematic. Um, do you think he's got any chance of impressing enough to get through to the final squad? Yeah, I think so. That was an interesting one. I guess, like you said, without Kai Rolls and big Harry Sutter both being injured, uh, there's, you know, well, there's spots in, in, in for these two games anyway. And um, Arnie sort of said it's been a bit of a selection a, um, selection trial. And with 26 players going in, in, in the World Cup squads now, there's, you know, room for a few more, I guess. He he could be one. Um, be interesting to see how, how, how he goes, how Thomas Deng goes as well, the back there, a name from the past that uh, always, always solid, always reliable. I'm glad he's he's going to get another another chance as well. And then well, the big got... news was obviously Garam Cole, Marco, and um, he made an impression at the press conference. At least we know um, how exciting he's only played a handful of games, but he's absolutely stood out in all of them. And there's all sorts of uh, media reports about that he's going to Newcastle United, and, and we loaned out um, uh, in the Premier League. That is. Um, so, what chance does the young 17 year old have of? Um, you know, shining so brightly that he just has to go to the World Cup. I mean, what chance is he, in your opinion? Oh, I think it, it might be tough for him, especially after what's happened this week. I hope it doesn't doesn't affect him in camp in terms of, as you sort of alluded to, the talk about Newcastle and, you know, the issues with, uh, well, not, not the sort of issues, but stuff with, like, the family and um, all that sort of, you know, you know, I guess you know controversies to who's doing the deal and the money it's worth, and uh, you know he was good. Uh, he was good the other day in the in the in the press conference. Um, I'm actually surprised his brother's not in the squad as well. But um, you know, I guess it's a chance for him. Like, like I can't see him starting either game, but uh, maybe if he has that impact off the um, off the bench, and as I said before, with the 26 players going now. There, there could be room for for a bolter like him. So uh, I hope he does get, get a chance, even if it's just you know half an hour in like one of the games. Marco, Arnie's been pretty vocal in that he's going to treat the two matches as two separate starting 11s to really give everyone a go and get his eyes on as many as he possibly can. But, you know, we're, we're pretty close to World Cup time uh, and we've got a fair idea of who our top sort of 14 are. So do you think this is productive? Has there been any pushback in and around the traps or do you think this is actually not a bad not a bad idea to just sort of see who's going to make up the sort of back end of his squad? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Like... You said, I think he's got in his mind who's best, you know, 15, 16, 17 players are. And uh, then you got those other spots um, up for grabs. Um, some of the guys that missed out, I think it might be tough for them to get back, like your Kenny Dougals, your uh, uh, Jason Davidson. I think if, if they can't make these this 31-man squad, I think I think could be curtains, curtains for, uh, for them. 
Um, and in terms of the A-League players who are, who are in the squad, it's a chance for them. But I guess there's that old, you know, thing with them, with, with their season not having started. And I know they've got the cup games and the and the, uh, and the trials, but um could be tough for them as well. Like, but... You know, um, you know, like as we said, Qual and Jason Jason Cummings is like another one who will be. It'll be good to see if he's if he's got something to offer at this uh, at this level. And I know you had the chance to sit down and have a chat with uh, Jamie McLaren. Uh, he hasn't been playing obviously with Manch- uh, Melbourne City's A League season, having not started as yet, and he'd be a little bit nervous having seen Mitch Duke and Adam Taggart uh, both scoring in Japan pretty frequently. Jason Cummings as well in the squad, but he is a pretty confident guy, Jamie, uh, and he always gives a little bit. So, what did he have to say in his uh, in his chat with you? Yeah, he was. He, he is. He is confident. He's. He's. Um. He's pretty. He's. He, he's pretty sure that he's got that he's got the faith of Arnie, which 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 I um guess he does. I mean, there's all that um sort of issues about when he like pulled out of one of the squads to get to get married, and uh, he copped a bit of flack about that. But um, uh, you know, I guess four years ago he was in the spot where he missed out in the squad, and then he got the late call in and. You know, but just sat on the bench for the three games. I think he's matured a lot since then. He's probably a better, better player since then. Um, you know, as you said, you know, I think whether he starts in in the games, like um, like guitar, because I think he will he will make the squad. It could depend on their who the opponent is, whether you know, in, you know, in terms of uh, how they how they how they match up. Because you got you know you know Mitchell Duke is more you know stronger, a bit more. Uh, I don't know, you know, aggressive, and then you got Taz, you sort of a mix, a mix of both of them. So, uh, and he's got some, got some, got some options there. But I think Jamie will be there, and and he'll back himself to, uh, you know, to score some goals um, over there. Um, you know, like if he gets a chance. And there's one other player I want to ask you about before handing over to Rob. I agree. If they're not in this 30 man or 31 man squad, they're probably not going to get there uh, unless it's maybe Maslowongo or Tom Rogic. Now, this is obviously a saga that's playing out, and he's sealed that move to West Brom uh, a little bit too soon for him to get on the park for them and push his case for this one. But he is really the wild card to an extent. I mean, I think if he's fit, he's going to go. So, is there anything you're hearing uh, about Tom's potential inclusion uh, going forward? Yeah, you're right. I think he'll go as long as he. Um... As long as he, you know, gets some game time for uh, West Brom, and you know, it doesn't have to be a standout, like I don't think. But uh, I guess that X factor he's got, and as we, as I've said a couple of times, with the twenty six uh, men now being being picked rather than rather than twenty three, um, I'm guessing he's spoken to Arnie because there was there was a talk that unless you know he made contact with Arnie and let him let him know the real reason why he he pulled out of that squad and what the personal reasons were. And um, but you know he he's had a chat to him. Arnie seems to have you know uh, basically said he's going to be in the in the uh, squad. I spoke to Trent Trent uh, Sainsbury as well, and uh, there was some talk that maybe if you bring him back into back into the squad, it might uh, affect the, the the team spirit that that was built up so much in the playoffs in in June. But Trent sort of told me that they welcomed him back with, with open arms and. Uh, Never, never, never to doubt his commitment towards the uh, towards the Socceroos. So I think, uh, you know, I think he'll uh, be there.
And before we let you go, Marco, another player who, well, he'd gone into international retirement and uh, uh, he's been convinced to come out of it. Some suggest that it was to uh, to compete against Andrew Redmayne for the, the backup keeper spot, but uh, uh, the form that uh, that he's been in of late and, and at his best, Mitch Langerak could, could quite easily uh, compete with Matty Ryan. Uh, uh, what, what are you hearing uh, in the camp about uh, Mitch Langerak, his uh, levels of enthusiasm? and uh, and commitment to the course yeah he's 100 percent committed um as we all know he had to he, he made that choice uh last season that was purely for family reasons with with restrictions on covid in japan being so bad he wasn't comfortable leaving uh leaving his family and you know running the risk of being locked out of japan um he's a great keeper he's, he's played for you know four years straight in uh, japan now uh starred for them had that record for the clean sheets i think uh you know i know matty ryan is the is the sort of is the uh is the what's the name incumbent um if matty ryan hadn't have found this new found this new club in denmark and been and and you know still been sitting on the bench geez langerak would have like run him like close i think um i think he'll still run him close but i, I think with with Matty playing for FC Copenhagen, playing in the Champions League as well, it'll be hard to knock him out. But uh, I think he's, you know, Mitch is probably like an inch, an inch, like you know, inch. I guess an inch behind in that, in that, in that battle. And uh, who knows what might happen? But it's good that that uh, you know, that, you know, that the Aussies have got him to call on if like if like need be, and 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 you'll know he'll push he'll push Matty Ryan hard. Marco, well, look, mate, thanks for joining us. Uh, World Cup's not far away. I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, again in the, in the run-up, uh, if not during the tournament. Uh, uh, we'll all be uh, enjoying that match on, on Thursday night, our time, and uh, hopefully see the, the, an informed Socceroos go through their paces. Uh, uh, not quite the farewell that we saw all those years ago against Greece at the MCG, mm-hmm. but, uh, hey, at least they're going to the World Cup, mate. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that was a, that was a, um, that was a great occasion at the MCG with the... You know, was it you know you know ninety thousand, hundred thousand people? So mm-hmm. there won't be as many there, but uh, it's a, a great stadium. So, uh, you know, you know, Sun uh, Sun Corp. So uh, you know, hopefully thirty thousand can make you know heaps of noise. They definitely will, mate. Those are crazy Queenslanders of which your <laughs> one, mate. Uh, they sure do. <laughs> all right, Marco. We'll talk to you again soon, brother. Thanks, boys. All the best. Good on you, mate, Marco. Mon- for the day from the Courier Mail. Joining us from Brisbane ahead of the Socceroos farewell series against New Zealand. Okay, stick around after the break. There's going to be some more Socceroos, a bit more Matilda's talk and a bit more news after the break on Box to Box. Well, can you give me a woohoo? Bop, bop, woohoo, ka-ching. He did that well. He was leaning back. If you wouldn't have seen what he was doing there, he wasn't paying a lot of attention, but he leaped into action, didn't you there, Willem? Chemist Warehouse, half-price vitamin sale is not for the faint-hearted. Edge, you're not faint-hearted. No, no, I'm not a faint-hearted, Rob, but I love a half-price sale. <laughs> you do. Get your favourite big brand vitamins like Blackmore, Swiss, Caruso's, Henry Blooms. What are they? Half-price. Bioglen, Nature's Own. Go healthy. Derek, what are they? Half-price. That's exactly what they are. Get Nature's Way, Life Space, Synovus, Neutralife, Michael. What are they? Half price, Rob. 
They're all half price. And Wagner Vitamins, Willem, yes, they're half prices. He's leaning back from his mic again. Plus, find more half price vitamins in store and stock up on all your favourites. Chemist Warehouse, they're always open and always there for you. Shop online for home delivery, click and collect, fast delivery options. The sale ends on September the 25th. If you're listening now, if you missed out, we'll just get in there and buy full price vitamins. Chemist Warehouse, well, they're never full price at Chemist Warehouse, are they? Because you get great savings every single day. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. Very nice chatting with Marco Monferdo from the Courier Mail there. It's getting us all very excited ahead of the All Whites doubleheader. The World Cup's not far away. I'm staying home. You two are going. Willem, um, well, is there time i think you're going to tell us a little bit later on you're going to give some news first before you tell us whether there's time to get the guitar i've been told that there is time rob but as you say i do have some news and we're going to start with the australia cup the final is going to be played at Parramatta's combank stadium on october 1 from 7 30 macarthur reached the final with a 5-2 win over oakley last wednesday they conceded the opener but pretty uh, did it pretty comfortably from there and that puts them in the frame for their first piece of silverware for united Michael, it's a chance for their first national success since the 1987 NSL Cup, while they also finished NSL Premiers in 88-89. Looks like relatively friendly ticket prices, $20 for adults. They're on sale uh, from Wednesday. Uh, The other thing we need to round out on regarding the Australia Cup is, of course, the debut of 13-year-old Emo Abili uh, against MacArthur for Oakley the other night, the substitute goalkeeper. Yeah, he's um, uh, been under the tuition of Boyo Yejedovic. He was a former... Goalkeeper in the NSL with the uh, Gippsland Falcons um, or Eastern Pride or whatever they were called back in the day before they uh, wound up the NSL. But, Willem, I just want to um, make mention of Sydney United. Um, They will have more fans than MacArthur, no doubt about it. MacArthur's been around two years. Sydney United's been around since 1958. And uh, I'm just looking to see that joint absolutely packed uh, with former NSL fans. I hope they come from the clouds and uh, just put another piece of living evidence behind the B-League and promotion relegation. Um, who would have thought MacArthur Bulls, with about a 1,000 supporters, are going to play Sydney United, probably with over ten or 12,000 fans at the, at, uh, the FA Cup Australia Cup final. So uh, go Sydney United. We're right behind them. Rob, you know the uh, geography of Sydney better than most. That's a pretty fair result to go to Parramatta. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, the Adenza Park and, and MacArthur, they're, they're almost neighbours. I mean, this is a legitimate derby. And uh, I think um, uh, that um, the uh, I mean, Edge's uh, prediction that um, that Sydney United 58 will be uh, uh, more likely to show up with a hell of a lot of supporters is absolutely correct. Uh, uh, I think um, the... Uh, the, the chances of, of you know a good sort of crowd of somewhere in the vicinity of sort of fifteen twenty thousand uh, if you get drag all of the Sydney uh, United fans out and um, and we can sort of hark so. back to the old days. I really so, hope they. I hope it's a wonderful, wonderful event. Really. Well, we were looking at some great footage um, from when we were doing some research for for this week's edition of Offside with Paul Wade, weren't we, Edge? And uh, I mean, some of that that classic footage of uh, of the, the of the golden days of the NSL. I mean, it, it's it's still. The, the, the latent um, passion and support for, for those clubs is still there, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I think Willem, people of Willem's generation probably hear me and think, oh, would he shut up about it? But uh, they were good times. No, I'm absolutely with you, Michael, although I, don't, I haven't you know lived through it like, like you have. I 
feel ripped off to an extent that Football Australia chose options like new clubs in Western United and 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 MacArthur. And having you know read through the history of it, um, it seems the right thing to do to have cut ties with the NSL era and have started afresh. But it's absolutely time now to tie these clubs back in uh, and. You know, having been down to Oakley and seen, you know, Sydney United, the, the park they drew at a Denzel, uh, the crowd they drew at a Denzel Park, uh, and having seen South Melbourne and the crowds that they draw, it's right that these clubs deserve to be on on playing merit as well. But they deserve to have the opportunity to be in our top flight. And if in time Western United and Macarthur grow and play uh, as well, then they can be in there as well. But no, it's absolutely time to bring them in. So no, I'm with you on I'm with you on that. Football Australia has appointed Mel Mellum to their executive leadership team, where she'll fulfil the role of general. Council. Mellon returns to Australia after 15 years in Switzerland, which included time as FIFA's commercial legal counsel and work on two World Cups and the 2012 Olympics. She said, I look forward to joining at such an exciting period for the sport and being part of a new management team that is driving a fresh 15-year vision. Edge, what more can you tell us here? Well, she's very experienced and uh, she'll bring a lot of know-how and that just adds another European, um, ex-European uh, executive to that team. There's uh, three or four of them up there now uh, that are having a big say in how the Federation is charting its course strategically going forward. It's a big job, the General Council. Australia plays in jurisdictions all over the world in uh, with its seven national teams. Uh, so it's an important role. And uh, welcome, Mel. I think she'll, uh, by all cases uh, and all the sort of um, feedback I've had from people who know her, is that she's incredibly capable and will do a, a fabulous job. So Welcome home, Mel. On to the park, Celtic have suffered a domestic league loss for the first time in 364 days, losing 2-0 to a St Mirren side that featured Aussies Keanu Backus and Ryan Strain. Aaron Moy started for Celtic against his former club, but was subbed off at half-time. Earlier in the day, Rangers enjoyed a 2-1 win over Dundee, which cut Celtic's lead atop the table to two points. Rob, this is disappointing. And what was equally as disappointing was their loss, oh, sorry, their draw uh, midweek in the Champions League to Shakhtar Donetsk. More than enough chances dominated that match largely. A couple of stages where it got out of hand, but Aaron Moy was pretty good there. He came on uh, with half an hour to play and sort of blanketed any possible attack that Shakhtar should have had. So they should have won that game. They should have had three points. Uh, and then they've followed up and uh, and have dropped points in the league as well. I think they'll be all right on that front, but the Champions League, uh, you need to take your chances there. Well, you do, but Shakhtar had been convincing the week before and uh, and it, and the game was well ostensibly a home game for Shakhtar, albeit the fact yep. that it was played in Poland. So um, I, I think the the real point is that the, the kind of form that they showed in that first half against Real Madrid, you would have thought that that kind of form would have been enough to dispense uh, Shakhtar uh, even at their best. So yeah, that that was disappointing. In the in the, the league, you, you expect after such a, a long unbeaten streak that eventually there's going to be a slip up and St Mirren are not at the bottom end of, of the, the Scottish Premiership uh, right now. They're, they're, they're as competitive as uh, they have been in recent years. So, uh, look, I, I know we'll talk about it more in uh, in our other podcast, Stoppage Time, um, uh, when it drops a little later on in the week and, and we might dig a little deeper into some of the stories around that game. Uh, but um, look, uh, provided they bounce back quickly, um, this could easily be seen as a blip. Even uh, you know the likes of Manchester City um, haven't been going through undefeated in recent years. So uh, you know, playing at their own level, you'd uh, um, you just want to see them bounce back quickly. We've been covering goings on at Brighton quite extensively, extensively over our cast past couple of programs. If I can get the words out, they've appointed their man. He is the former manager of Sassuolo and Shakhtar Donetsk, Roberto Di Zerbi. Uh, he comes in on a four-year deal. He left Shakhtar in July, not of 
sporting issues or how his how the team was going, but because of the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia. And he's going to bring his own support staff, which is uh, something that we know Brighton need, uh, hoping that all of those work permits are going to be granted and in place for their match against Liverpool on October the 1st. And finally, before we get into Socceroos and Matilda Central, Arsenal's Ethan Nwaneri has become the Premier League's youngest player, having made his debut against Brentford aged 15 years, 181 days. He was born in 2007 and breaks the previous marker held by Liverpool's Harvey Elliott, who debuted for Fulham in 2019 at 16 years, 30 days. Last week, Northern Irish schoolboy Christopher Atherton broke the United Kingdom record for youngest senior footballer, uh, making his debut for Glenhaven at 13 years, 329 days, Michael. But with respect to Christopher Atherton and Imorabili at Oakley Cannons, uh, that's Glenhaven and Oakley. This guy's playing for Arsenal. Yeah, it's a pretty good effort, isn't it? Uh, 15 years of age. He must be some player. Um, I know Derek is pretty excited about it. so we'll just see what transpires, but uh, that is a remarkable, remarkable feat for a young fella to cut his teeth in the Premier League at that age. Ready for some Socceroos and Matilda Central, Rob, to answer your question. Uh, there are some packages available, Michael, if you were uh, quick enough about it. Absolutely. We're getting down to the uh, bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah, not many spots left, but there's still time if you want to make a late dash to Qatar, and uh, we can help you with everything you need to do that. So just... Uh, Log on to ggarmy.com uh, or give us an email uh, at worldcup at ggarmy.com and we'll look after you and give you all the information you need to make a decision. We reported last week that the Matildas will meet South Africa in a friendly on October the 8th in London. Football Australia have secured a second friendly for that window against Denmark at Viborg Stadium, Michelin on October the 11th. Uh, the English Women's Super League kicked off last weekend. Caitlin Ford was central to Arsenal's 4-0 win over Brighton, uh, providing the assist for the opener. Elsewhere in England, Mary Fowler made her league debut for Man City in a 4-3 loss to Emily Gelnick's Aston Villa uh, while Sam Kerr had the ball in the net for Chelsea's second goal only to be overturned by VAR. Uh, they eventually lost that one 2-1. Michael, I want to ask you about Jacinta Galabarachichi. Uh, she's netted a double and was Celtics player of the match in a 6-0 win over Hamilton but for some reason there seems to be maybe a, a stigma or a, an understanding that maybe she's a, a tear down from the national team set up. Is that unfair? I think Jacinta's biggest problem is where she's playing. I mean, the Scottish Women's Football League is um, um, rated probably less than the NPL women's in New South Wales and Victoria, um, definitely less than New South Wales. So I think um, that's her problem in where she's playing. Um, and she did get an opportunity at a training camp recently and um, the information that sort of come across my desk so that she struggled physically. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think that's pretty much where it's at. She gets a lot of uh, profile because she's doing very, very well, but I think we do need to recognise where the Scottish Football League's at, and uh, that is a long way off where she probably needs to be playing to get uh, a look in for Matilda's uh, selection. Adam Taggart and Mitch Duke found the net in Japan. Uh, Taggart netted the opener for Cerezo Osaka in a two-all draw that leaves them fourth. And Duke scored again for promotion chasing Fagiano Okiyama, who's hit third in the J2. Matt Ryan helped Copenhagen to their first point of the Champions League. He kept a clean sheet in their nil-all draw with Sevilla. Aidan Rustic has made his Verona debut. Martin Boyle scored his third of the season for Hibs, uh, this time from the penalty spot. And finally, to Musket Watch, uh, Yokohama have dropped points to Contadalo Sapporo in a nil-all draw, draw, so that's a bit disappointing. Uh, and that means, Rob, that if Kawasaki win their game in hand, they'll cut the margin back to two points with five to play. So really coming to the boil now in Japan. All right, well, well done. Uh, thank you, mate. Stick around. Um, after the break, we're going to talk about 
Leicester City with our good friend Rob Tanner. Who would have thought that uh, from those golden days of 2015-16 where they were on top of the world, uh, still winning the FA Cup uh, only a little over a year ago, but uh, they look fair dinkum relegation bound and Brendan Rogers not long for this world. Are we exaggerating? We'll find out next with Rob Tanner on Box to Box. Willa, willa, willa. Everybody's going to buy hot spices. Everybody's going to save a dollar or two. I'll stop singing because I can't sing, but I love Hoyt's food and we love cooking and eating on this show, don't we, Willem? We do indeed, Rob, for sure. Yeah. What's it been this week? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I trawled through my recipe cabinet. There's a go-to recipe in our family this each week. Uh, you, spicy prawn linguine. Do you like um, king prawns in your linguine? Nice spiced garlic and all those flavours? Big time, absolutely. Yeah, seafood, man, for sure. Yeah, what about you, Edge? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love it. I'm up in Singapore, I had some Singapore chilli crab. It would have been better had I had hoits, herbs and spices, Rob, but it was still pretty good. Well, you never know. It might have because uh, if you want to make your own spicy food, make it. Start with this. Get some olive oil, some shallots, and then you get your Hoyt's ginger, garlic, and chili flakes, right? Then you need a can of chopped tomatoes, some linguine, about 150 grams, some flat parsley. You can get the dried parsley, and then 150 gram of raw prawns rocket salad to serve. Look, I won't go through the method of it, Derek. You could probably describe how to pull that together, wouldn't you? Oh, look, uh, sounds fantastic, Rob. I think we should start posting these recipes on our social media, get us some more engagement. <laughs> exactly, I think we will. And remember, refill your empty spice jars with Hoyt's value packs. You'll be happy with Hoyt's, our good friend Johnny Accardo and all the family at Coles Woolworths and all good independent supermarkets. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box. We've covered hundreds of domestic and international stories on the show over the last seven years. But I think I can safely say for all the boys that our favourite was that one that emerged in the 2015-16 season when we first started to take notice of the Leicester City Foxes. And as each week went by, we just gradually started to believe. But we never would have been able to tell that story back then uh, unless we'd discovered um, he's become a great friend of the show. Back then he was the chief football writer with the Leicester City Mercury and now he is the man on the beat at the King Power with The Athletic and he's introduced us to so many of our guests and we welcome our good friend Rob Tanner back to the show. How are you, Rob? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Mate, doing super, Rob. Um, and uh, and we acknowledge um, that as we record uh, uh, on this um, Monday evening in Australia, Monday morning, uh, your time, that, uh, but we're, we're just... Uh, 15 minutes away from the uh, the state funeral of Her Majesty um, on, a, on a, a day that will go down in history in, uh, well, not only your country, but around the world. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, she, you know, was our queen, but she was also a, a global uh, personality as well. So uh, hence all the uh, heads of state that have come over to show their respects as well. Yeah, and, uh, and rightfully so, mate. Uh, so, Rob, uh, look, the... Um, the ladder doesn't look good, does it? Seven uh, rounds so far, one point. Um, Brendan Rogers, uh, you know, the same guy that went within a, a trip of Stevie Gerrard from winning the the Premier League, uh, uh, won uh, titles with Celtic, who we now closely watch. Uh, and and even as we we talk to you, we're wondering if the the powers that be uh, at uh, the King Power are not um, talking about uh, removing him from his post. Um, I mean, is is the uh, the sacking of Brendan Rodgers imminent, or has he got maybe one or two games 
to go. No, it, it feels like it's fairly imminent now. I mean, the fact that we that we've pretty much identified uh, who they want as his successor. It's Thomas Frank at Brentford, and uh, so they've got a plan in place. And it almost feels like the way Brendan's been talking that he wants to, wants it to happen sooner rather than later. Whilst you know his reputation still very much intact. I mean, it would get severely damaged if they continue to take the beatings that they've been taking. Although, having said that, first half, like at Brighton, I didn't think Leicester played too badly at Tottenham. Uh, but it's just that capitulation, that soft underbelly, that defensive vulnerability that we've seen for all the start of this season. And um, and, and if we're really honest, going back to last season, the amount of goals they've been conceding from set pieces um, that cost them. I think it's Somebody said to stat to me earlier today that it's 25 goals conceded from set pieces since the start of last season. And that's um, a situation that hasn't been um, resolved by Brendan in all this time. Uh, they've finally brought in a set piece coach, uh, but obviously it's going to take a bit of time for him to, to bed in and have an impact. But at the moment, they're just, they just they put up a, a fight for about an hour in a game and then they just capitulate in the final 30 minutes. And... Um, there's a lot of heads down, a lot of confidence sapped. The fans have turned. It just feels inevitable now. You mentioned Thomas Frank's name there, Rob, uh, being linked with the job. Where, where is it, do you understand? I mean, have they actually made a formal approach? Do we know whether Frank is actually interested in the job? Obviously, when we saw the Chelsea um, moving quickly, swiftly for Potter. That happened very quickly and it all, all went through smoothly. Is it going to be similar here? No, it wouldn't be very similar at all. I mean, Brentford to fight to keep Thomas Frank and Thomas Frank. I mean, you've got to look at the situations that he's got at Brentford and the situation at Leicester that he would come into. Uh, a team, you know, devoid of confidence, one point from the first seven games, the worst start in Premier League history, worse even than Derby, which really hurts Leicester fans because Derby went down with a record low points tally when uh, well, over 12 years ago, I think, something like that. Um, so you'd have to look at the situation and think, well, why would he swap Brentford for Leicester at, the mo at this moment in time? You know, he's loved at Brentford. He's got a team that's firing and performing for him. He's, he's uh, loved by the, the, his management team. It would be a wrench to get him out, I think. But, you know, he might look at it and say, well, this is a squad that was been challenging in the top four for the last few years, has played in Europe in consecutive seasons, has won the FA Cup, the QNC Shield. It's a similar squad. Um, it would just need some work. And, and would he get some money? Like Brendan, did get any money in the last transfer window? Probably, because Wesley Fofana's money will go through now. Uh, and they will certainly look at the situation in January transfer window. He's got a head of recruitment in now. Martin Glover's come from Southampton, finally. So this, it's suddenly these pieces are starting to fall into place a little bit more for Leicester. So whoever comes in, we inherit a squad that's more than capable of climbing the table. Uh, but it's just finding that, that missing ingredient at the moment that Brendan can't find. Perhaps just a change of voice, a change of approach, a change of message from uh, a new manager would have an impact with this squad and get them to perform anywhere near their level. Can you put your finger on a moment where you felt like this decline started or is there a particular reason did it was it even before the FA Cup final or do you think it was post that post that era the two seasons where they they fell away the last few games of those seasons that we could see there was a bit of a vulnerability about them mentally they couldn't stay the course winning the FA Cup was a fantastic moment but i think i think really the, the moment i thought hang on something's not right here was the FA Cup defeat at Nottingham Forest last season um, well, it was in just in February, 
and, and and things seemed to unravel pretty quickly. And there was mitigation last season in the number of injuries they had and the number, number of key players that were missing. And, um, you know, you, so you, th- you thought, well, once he gets, starts getting his key performers back, you know, we'll see the real Leicester again, uh, the same side. But he's got them back. And besides a few uh, def- uh, victories over sides that were already relegated at the end of last season, we haven't really seen that return to form. And But they've just been abysmal. Um, the start of this season. I mean, you look at them, 2-0 up on the opening day and allow Brentford to come back and get a point. And then, you know, how many times they've thrown up, I think they've thrown away something like 25 points from uh, leading positions in games. It's um, it's remarkable, you know, um, what, what, what's what been happening this season to see this. I mean, back-to-back uh, Brighton and Spurs, you know, go, taking the lead, going down 2-1, having the characters come back 2-2 and you think, right, they're back in the game. Then they just fall to pieces. It, it's alarming, and that's why I think the the owners they might not want to set the sack Brendan Rodgers because of everything he's done at the club, everything he's achieved. Also, it's going to take a, a hefty payoff as well. We, we understand it could be around twenty five million pounds to get rid of him because he's still got three years to go on his contract, and he's the highest paid manager in the club's history. He's on something around eight million pounds a year. Um, that is another reason why Thomas Frank might want to come as well because if Leicester are paying that. To Brendan, I think the next incumbent will be expecting a similar sort of uh, contract. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's it's a difficult situation for Leicester, but I think with it heading in just one direction at the moment, it feels um, they they want to make this decision. And they, we're in an international break now, so this might be the perfect time. Yeah, the squad's got a different. Obviously, it's been transitioning since the league title win, and we've seen players kind of gradually leaving as any any side would do and I suppose the big symbolic one was the was Kasper Schmeichel leaving at the beginning of this season not just a fabulous goalkeeper with still some of his best years I was imagine between the sticks to offer the club but you know I think apart from Jamie Vardy and Johnny Evans maybe they're the two that would have been in the championship side the big the big characters there the most of them have gone either retired retired or move on is is it been a case of Brendan Rodgers really with with the the heights that that team reached it's almost been an impossible job to try and mm. regenerate the magic combination of how that team and that squad came together and and really it was inevitable that no matter who was in charge this kind of decline was predictable um yeah i mean it's Daniel Marte that was also in the Premier League squad. Um, Johnny Evans came afterwards. But um, since then, yeah, he's done, he's done a remarkable job transforming. And I have to give Claude Puel a little bit of credit for some of the players he brought through and signed, like James Madison. He brought through Harvey Barnes, gave him a chance in the first team. Ben Shilwell, who they sold to Chelsea. You know, this the, the squad was starting to evolve under Claude Puel. And Brendan Coman came in and he kicked it on. He took them to another level for a number of years. But that, that natural lifespan of that squad now uh, is coming to an end. Hence why there's a lot of sympathy for Brendan because he wanted to refresh that squad this summer, but he couldn't do it for financial reasons. Club had to look after financial fair play um, requirements. Um, but that, there's still a feeling that that squad should be doing a hell of a lot better. Uh, and it seems to be a lot of it tactical, a lot of it motivational. Uh, and that comes from the manager. So... I think that's why we're in the position we're in at the moment. This squad has come to an end. There's too many players that Brendan has signed, actually, that aren't good enough for that level. Uh, Yannick Vestergaard, he signed. Ryan Bertrand's been injured since he came in. 
Um, Buba Samare struggled to adjust to the Premier League, the pace of the game over here. And I don't think Buba was Brendan's pick. Uh, Yannick certainly was. Um, so, you know, I think there is still um, culpability in, in terms of the squad, the way it's evolved. I mean, he spent £30 million on Jose Perez and he's uh, he's been hit and miss. Uh, he's had his moments, but he's also not been doing it consistently. And so there, there is a lot of work to be done on this squad. And as I said, Martin Glover's in, who's um, a man with a track record of working uh, working really well on a limited sort of budget. So um, he, he would be able to uh, turn that around a little bit, but the manager will always have the final say on signings. And Rob, before we let you go, one of the things that puzzles me most, I mean, anyone who follows football has heard the the, the statistic that that Leicester City are the only one of the five top European competitions, the only club not to have had a signing in this current season. The thing that puzzles me most is... is uh, the Srivadhanaprabha family, since Vishai passed away, uh, their wealth seems to still be at or near the, the level that it was. I mean, uh, it was only in October 2018 that that uh, that uh, they were uh, measured at a wealth of, of close to five billion US dollars. Uh, uh, but yeah. last year we saw them uh, sell the, the shirt sponsorship to a, uh, to a, um, an online trading company. Um, is money an issue here? Why are the owners of the club uh, seemingly allowing this thing to sort of uh, trail away after the great success that they've had? Well, it was initially because of financial fair play. They've been placed on UEFA's watch list because they, if it wasn't for COVID losses, which they've written off, they would have exceeded the FFP guidelines for playing in the Europa League and Conference League. And, and it was put to me that if they wanted to qualify for Europe again, which has been their aim, which is their ambition every year to challenge for Europe, then they'd have to get FFP in line. Um, the club's revenue has grown, but so has the wages they pay now, um, their expenses. So their, their wage to revenue ratio is 85%, which exceeds UEFA FFP. Premier League FFP, I don't think they have to worry about. I mean, Everton have got away with whatever they've done over the last couple of years So with some really reckless spending. And you're right, the owners aren't short of money. If they could get away with it, under FFP, they would put more money in. They would have thrown more millions at it. They're, they've invested in uh, the training ground with loans. There's personal loans coming from top recently as well. They've got the massive project at the, the stadium as well, not just the, the redevelopment of the East End, but also all the surrounding areas. There's going to be a hotel there. There's going to be apartments. There's you know, an indoor arena. You know, this they've taken out um, a loan to, to pay for that, and subsequently they have to service that loan. So the debt of the club has been rising as well. But I think they decided they that to, to put the brakes on now, so the club didn't start to become uh, a problem financially. Um, but uh, I think it's more FFP they've been concerned about. Mm. But I think you'll see in January with the Fafana money. There'll be some investment that they'll try and do some business, which they don't normally do in January, but because they don't see value, but they will this time. Well, Rob, we'll let you go. I mean, we all know that famous story of the 2015-16 season, but we don't forget the season before where we know that they dragged themselves back into contention and and, and, and faced down the death barrel of relegation. So uh, if uh, the club has still got a, a semblance of uh, of that culture left, mate, then maybe we'll be talking in a few weeks' time about uh, the, the gradual turning around of, um, of, well, what looks like a bit of a death spiral right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think they lost six on the bounce in that season, um, which they've just done. 
mean, that's a, a bit of a record for, for them. It's the first time it's happened in Brendan's career as well. So there's a long way to go. Rob, um, I'm sure we'll be talking to you about that very long way in the not-too-far-distant future. Thanks again for coming on, mate. No problem. Anytime, guys. Our good friend Rob Tanner uh, talking about the Leicester City Foxes. Uh, wow, what a story that's been over the years. Okay, stick around. Uh, it's World Cup Corner next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yeah, this is Box to Box. This is World Cup Corner where we're going to give you a few snippets every week on what's happening in the World Cup, some of the stories as we just get closer to November and uh, it is only, well, a couple of months away. Willem, um, you're going to steer the ship here. Yeah, Will, Robin, it's always sad when key players aren't involved in uh, the World Cup and Calvin Phillips with England uh, is certainly in some significant doubt now. He has succumbed and gone for shoulder surgery. Uh, he's been sent by Man City. Pep Guardiola said it was the only option. Uh, he's been battling it for quite some time. I think this is the fourth time he's missed but hasn't opted for surgery so they're going to go and try and nip it in the bud once and for all uh, we all recall the uh, the partnership that he formed with Declan Rice at the base of midfield last year that took England all the way to the Euros final uh, proud hometown Leeds boy did end up leaving uh, for City for 45 million pounds uh, he's only played the 20 minutes though across the uh, the three uh, matches due to this shoulder injury Rob so that is a real shame uh, and yeah as I said a bit of an iconic partnership. I mean, it was only last year, but it was such a talking point about how the Gareth Southgate got the balance right in his midfield, yeah. and he was a key part of it. Absolutely, and uh, and while we uh, we all know that the, the guys uh, up front get all the, uh, the the heroic moments for scoring goals, it, it, Calvin Phillips was just a critical member of that uh, that squad that uh, that managed to get England to that final in Wembley. Now Pep Guardiola says he's still a chance of of being fit. Um, uh, he's going to undergo surgery to correct the problem, uh, but uh, you know, at 26 years old, he's in the, the prime of his career, uh, and and Gareth Southgate squad is is really going to be uh, uh, hard up against it if uh, if if he doesn't uh, make the trip. Hey, Willem, do, do you just jumping in? Do you think he would have made the starting lineup? Um, there's a lot of calls for Jude Bellingham, who's putting in some cracking performances for. Borussia Dortmund, uh, do you think it, you, you know, that that maybe this is moot? Well, I think you'll have to look at it now. I think um, the, the, as we keep saying, the additional three players, the, the 26-player squad does uh, does lend for, you know, the lifeline that maybe Phillips could make it. But being there is one thing, being fit and involved in the build-up is another thing. So, yeah, it could well be Bellingham and it, it could well be moot, as you say, Derek. Uh, Michael, I'm going to throw to you on the story that just never seems to go away. It is uh, Chile's appeal to FIFA to have Ecuador removed uh, based on the grounds that they fielded Byron Castillo uh, in eight matches in qualifiers and Chile believe that he is Colombian. Uh, they want those eight matches to have had the points won in them uh, void, which would see Chile move into that final South American uh, spot. FIFA, though, have deemed that on the basis of documents presented the player was to be considered holding permanent ecuadorian nationality that mercifully seems the end of it except for the fact that chile have said they're now going to take it to the cas that's right this is destined to go to the court of arbitration for sport the highest uh, authority for sport in the world who can make a decision to overrule the fifa uh, appeals committee uh, off the back of the disciplinary committee's original decision uh, obviously ecuador is scheduled to play qatar in the opening match of the fifa World Cup Qatar 2022. So this has got uh, ramifications so far reaching. And, by you know, there are reports in the media, you know, whether they're true or not, who knows, uh, but there are reports that uh, Casillo, the player, has admitted 
that he was born in Colombia and uh, and forged documents to secure Ecuadorian uh, citizenship. Um, the FIFA uh, process said that uh, all the documentation they've reviewed suggests that he's uh, adhering to the laws of the game and that he's a, a Colombian. Uh, this, uh, that's a four-inch slip that he was an Ecuadorian citizen and uh, and eligible to play. So this one's not over. And um, yeah, what would it mean if Ecuador on the on the eve of the World Cup gets uh, withdrawn from the opening match of the World Cup? That is a big story. But I've just got a sense in this that uh, the Court of Arbitration of Sport will probably uphold the original decisions and. Uh, we'll report on that when that happens. Rightly or wrongly, I think that'd be pretty traumatic to have a side kicked out last minute for uh, for the fault of one player and the uh, the backroom staff when the rest of the nation and the rest of the players on the team are all doing the right thing. So I reckon that'd be uh, pretty grim, and I, I hope it hope it doesn't go ahead. Uh, finally, Rob Page has been rewarded for guiding Wales to their first World Cup in 64 years. I didn't actually realise, Derek, that he was the interim boss uh, this whole time, uh, but finally he's got that uh, that four-year deal. Uh, Ryan Giggs, as we know, uh, departed in somewhat sordid circumstances. That's still playing out uh, in the courts. And now Page has been given the opportunity to be the man going forward. He's going to take them to the World Cup and then has the chance to be there for the qualifiers for the Euros and the 2026 World Cup. And he's, he's done the yards. He was the national under-21s coach. He was a senior assistant. Uh, and now he's going to make history as the as the big boss well yes he's, it's, this is his team make no doubt about it I mean he was ceased being a caretaker of this team some time ago even if he uh, didn't have the uh, the job fully rubber stamped and of course he's led them to the to the World Cup uh, Holy Land after the the win over uh, Ukraine in in the playoffs there so uh, yeah it's very much his team and just again evidence that you know you in international football, you don't necessarily need to have the biggest name or the flashiest manager uh, in order to uh, to gain success. Rob Page is, uh, by all accounts, a fairly ordinary guy who's got a pretty simple philosophy when it comes to football. Uh, international management is about finding a style that, that really works for the, the players you have at your disposal. And Wales have a range of players. They get, they've got everyone from the sort of Galactico-type players like Gareth Bale to some some very uh, – some players from more modest uh, sort of places in the championship or, or or other places in the world. So it's about keeping that squad happy and content and, and, and motivated for, you know, all those games that they've got to to come in Qatar, and let's hope there's a, let's hope there's a few of them. So uh, very pleased for Rob Page that he's had that rubber stamp, and it looks like that four years will take him through to the next World Cup. My only piece of advice for him is that he needs to change the uh, photo on his Wikipedia page. It is absolutely terrible. It's a shambles. <laughs> and I don't know why Wikipedia haven't improved this so far, but uh, Rob Page is, looks like he's just been kind of door stopped in a car park somewhere. So, so someone at the Welsh FA, get onto that, please. Well, that's the idea, isn't it? Those YouTube, those wiki pictures can be an absolute goldmine because wiki don't pay for them. So no. it, they've just got to take what they can get, really. There's, no. Often you'll see pictures of a statue of the person taken on someone's <laughs> iPhone 4. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a good look, but uh, good good luck to, to Paige. It's a great appointment. All right, boys. Uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, good work, Derek. Thank you. No problem, gents. Well, and we'll see you next week. Great show, guys. Thank you. Uh, up the Socceroos. Should be good. Absolutely, Michael. Um, you're in Singapore, I think, still before you head up uh, Middle East? That's correct, Rob. Yes, that is correct. Uh, heading to Doha on, on uh, Friday. So, uh, yeah, all things are well.
It's all getting very real, isn't it, Matt? It's going to be there. It certainly is, yeah, getting very excited and um, lots of work to do. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all coming together well. And, um, yeah, we'll soon be experiencing the first Arabic World Cup in the history of uh, the FIFA World Cup, and I'm sure it's going to be something to remember. Going to be amazing. Uh, Damo, uh, thank you very much again for uh, pressing the buttons and pulling this all together. And to our listeners, we hope you're enjoying our new format as, uh, as we put out more content each week. Uh, uh, so please subscribe to box to box wherever you get your podcasts, including Stoppage Time and Offside with Paul Wade this week, Captain Socceroo himself. Make sure you listen to that one. Tweet us at box to box nts and follow us on Twitter as we will be sharing your feedback on the show over the next couple of weeks. Like us on Facebook and make sure you join us throughout the week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.